this is Shannon Bream, and you're listening to the Christian Music Guys podcast. On today's episode, we sit down with Shannon Bream. Shannon is a Fox News anchor, and she just recently released a brand new book called The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. Welcome back to the Christian Music Guys podcast, the podcast for Christian music fans by we Christian music fans. So um, I need to ask a favor from all of our listeners and from you guys to please be praying and interceding that daylight savings time would be permanent because it is currently in the house trying to get passed. It's already been passed once, but they need to do it again for some reason. I do not want to fall back anymore. They've already done it, and I was reading today, Greenland has officially, they've, they're done with it. They said, hey, we're not doing it again. Um, they talked about it last year in the U.S. Uh, House, and it passed. I think it went to the Senate or, or vice versa, and it never, it didn't go through all the way. But they're trying to do it again. They just restarted everything a couple weeks ago. Intercede, guys. Intercede. Here's the deal. I hate when it gets yeah. dark at 4 p.m. Well, here's the deal. I hate it. The farmers have already came out and said it really doesn't help them. Two things. In the winter, it naturally gets darker earlier because of, like, the solstice. Yeah, shorter days. Shorter so days. it gets darker earlier. Not at 4 yeah. p.m., but if the time didn't change, it would still get dark pretty early. Not, I would say probably 6, 6.30. And then the summer, we all know, it's lo- longer daylight. So... Right. It does it on so its own. my thing is, why mess with our sleep? I mean, they already they they already say we're supposed to, we're supposed to get like what eight to nine hours of sleep, but if they do the time change twice a year, that just messes everything oh, shoot, up. Shoot, man, I, I don't even come close to that. <laughs> like ever, just, I never come no, close to eight hours of sleep. Up. Every time. Man, here's the thing: it's it's hard in the winter time when you go to work in the morning and it's dark, and you're at work all day. And you leave, even if you leave at like 5 p.m. It's dark. It's dark. It's so sad. It's like you miss any form of daylight. It's tough. Yeah, well, and then like even switching when, well, especially like spring forward when you lose the hour, it is like now that I have a, one and a half year old when we just did spring forward that messed him up so <laughs> bad and like then it messed up our like it always messes up our dogs like you know it'll be like five o'clock and they're like i'm hungry i'm like what, what yeah. are you doing and i'm <laughs> like y'all it's not even like what in the world yeah what's going so on it's just a it's just a like kids and dogs they don't know I will, they're, they're, i don't i just don't know who benefits from it like honestly like I just don't know who be- I don't I don't know who benefit and I listen I this maybe this is political because I mentioned the house and the senate I don't know whatever but listen we we got to stop this thing it's it's uh I've told people before like when we spring forward that's the one that always gets me for some reason that's really tough but when we spring forward I it's it the couple days that happen afterwards it's more difficult than the jet lag that I experienced when I came back from China. Like, like, I, like that sounds extreme, but it is so true. Like, because when I came back from China, I was tired for one day, 
and I just slept it off the next day for like 12 hours and my clock reset. This one is just small enough to where it just screws you up for some reason. I it don't know. There is one good thing about this. There is one good silver lining. So when your kids are older, Chris, like two, three, four, when they're old enough to talk and wintertime, when, when the time is, you know, when it gets dark super early, like, oh, it's bedtime. <laughs> you know, when the time changes, like, oh, man, <laughs> it's already dark. It's bedtime. And then in the springtime, like in the mornings when they wake up, you know, they're like, oh, it's still dark outside. We need to go back to sleep. Well, Jacob, the flip side of that coin, though, and I just dealt with it right now, and I know it only gets worse in the summertime. Like my little girls, their bedtime's eight p.m. Yeah, but the sun's still out, and I'll be like, I'll be like, girls, it's time for bed. You have school in the morning, and they're like, yeah. but the sun's still out. There are kids skating in the street. It's not bedtime. So there's the flip side of that Can coin you too, right? Like but living in Alaska, where it's like daylight twenty four hours a day for like what three months or something, and then dark. Round the clock for a few months out of the year, that would really mess me up. But it's not like dark, it's like, like dusk. Night it's dark. It's, but still, it's like a dusk. It it is weird though. Like so, I've been into this show recently called Gold Rush, and they'll be like talking in it, and it looks like it's daytime, and the guy's like, <laughs> "It's midnight," and I'm like, "That must yeah. be so trippy," to like, you yeah. feel the tired, like you feel tired. It's midnight. It's ready for bed, and the right. sun's out. Like that has to totally mess with you. Blackout curtains, you know. Well, that's why that's why in our room we have blackout curtains. Not because of, <laughs> I live in Alaska. And it's <laughs> daylight, twenty four hours, but it's because coming coming up, like his bedtime's like seven to eight is where he's like, we got to lay him down, and he'll see light, and he's just like, uh, outside. Yeah, it's time. Not like, go. no, nope, not yet, buddy. Like, nope. It's it's yeah, it's time, buddy. You can't. We ain't going outside. <laughs> well, our guest today is Shannon Bream. Like we said earlier, Shannon is a Fox News anchor. She hosts Fox uh, News Sunday. Um, and she just recently released a book called The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. So check out this interview. Our guest today is Shannon Bream. Thank you so much, Shannon, for taking the time and chatting with me. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to be with you. Thanks for having me. Uh, tell us about um, how you got your start into journalism and, um, you know, being in law, correct? And so just tell us the journey of how you got to where you are today. Well, I would not recommend taking this super circuitous route that I took, but it all makes sense, you know, kind of in the rearview mirror about the way that God was kind of weaving things together. But I went to law school and even when I was in law school, I was sort of like, I don't think I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. But I want to use this background and it really taught me a lot about research and seeing multiple sides to any conversation or argument. So it was really helpful for me. And I did practice for, for a few years, but I really always had this passion for current events, for storytelling, for news. And so I, um, at almost 30 years old, became an intern at a local TV station where I was practicing law in Tampa, Florida. And yeah. they called me grandma intern because, you know, everybody else was appropriately like 20 and in college. And here I am years later. And it was grandma time. So um, listen, I would go with anybody who would let me tag along and shadow them. I would work nights and weekends and I was hiding the whole internship thing from my firm. But as I got to the end of the internship, I was like, this is my passion. I feel like I'm in love with this. This is what I'm wired to do. 
And I'm just going to, you know, after a lot of prayer and talking with my husband, like, I'm going to take this leap. And I went to my boss there at the TV station and said, I am going to quit my law firm. And he's like, no one's offered you a job here, weirdo. Um, But I said, I'm stepping out in faith and I just believe this is my path. And so that's where I got that very first job. I worked overnights from 2 a.m. to 11 a.m. I answered phones and made coffee and I wrote scripts for the morning anchors. I eventually worked the prompter. Then I started producing a little bit. And that's where I eventually got my first chance to do some on-air reporting too, months later. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, so was, has church always been a part of your life? Have you, mm-hmm. have you always been Christian or take us on that journey of your faith? Yeah. So I, you know, I grew up in a broken home. My parents divorced when I was just a, a baby. And so I don't have any memory of them together, but I really feel like I sort of grew up with my mom. I mean, she's like 24 years old, married a couple of years when she had me and she was a baby Christian at her, um, herself at that point. And so she was a teacher. It wound up getting a job at a Christian school. And so then that immersed us into church, into the Christian community. And we sort of had a family where, you know, it was the two of us kind of struggling with help from my grandparents. But that kind of the church became our family in a lot of ways. So I was at church and at school, always, you know, hearing these stories from the Bible, hearing about Jesus and God's love for us. And it was really in middle school when I was away at camp. It's a a cliche thing for a lot of Christian kids. But that's when I really realized I couldn't just kind of go by on hearing Bible stories and liking what I was hearing and singing the songs and knowing all the words. I really had to make a personal commitment and say to Christ, like, I accept what you've done, um, your sacrificial love for me on the cross, covering my sins and dedicating my life to you and accepting you as my savior. And that's the point at which it became personal. And it's, you know, how the Christian faith is, it's um, a lot of hills and valleys. Um, God's consistent even when I'm not, Mm -hmm. but he's always been faithful. Yeah, that's good. So Shannon, you have a new book coming out uh, next week, uh, The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. Uh, Tell our listeners about this book and and why did you want to write a book about love stories from the Bible? You know, there really are so many good ones in there, and I think they come from a lot of different angles. I mean, we talk about Adam and Eve and kind of how, you know, God's going through all of creation. He's got Adam there, and then there was no partner for Adam, and he was like, it was the first time that in Genesis God says it was not good. He had said it is good for creating light and plants and animals and Adam, but he realized that he needed a partner in life, and it's a really beautiful thing that Eve came along, and she was part of him. But also, you know, the original language tells us that she was very much more than just kind of a sidekick to Adam. They were partners and helpers together. And so there's this beautiful picture of, you know, how we have to be humble and be servants to each other in marriage. But you've got Ruth and Boaz. You've got Queen Esther and Xerxes, which is a super unusual story. Um, And you've got Samson and Delilah, because I said, listen, we got to include the bad romances in here, too, because I think we learn from all the stories in the Bible. But I also wanted to include friendships because... The Bible shows us a lot of very deep, loving friendships, commitments. I mean, people literally walking through the fire together in the case of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I've always loved that story. So I think that sometimes society can put a lot of emphasis on the romance and the bridal industry. There's no friendship industry. You know, there's nothing that really celebrates what we should about how friends make such a great difference in our life and having community can carry us through the deepest, darkest times, but can also celebrate life's victories and and mountaintops together with us. So speaking of Samson and Delilah, I really enjoyed that (laughs) chapter. Uh, That's the romantic part of your book of of love, and it's a story of mercy and restoration. So tell our listeners Mm -hmm. a little bit about that chapter. 
Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is I, again, grew up hearing all these stories. And when I went back to really do a deep dive on Samson, and I love to go listen to all kinds of different sermons. I love to listen to Protestant, Catholic, rabbis, you know, just get all of the different faith traditions and how they view these stories. And I, of course, the scripture is the number one guide for me. So when I went back to read it, I was like, I forgot Samson was married before Delilah. And that had a disastrous ending too. This guy did not have a good track record with choosing the women in his life. And the crazy thing is his parents were a beautiful picture of a biblical marriage because God came to his mother and said, you know, you're going to have this baby. She runs to tell her husband about it. And her husband never says, oh, crazy woman, or you're imagining things. I mean, he immediately believes her and grasps the story with her. And they pray like, God, will you come back to us to explain everything we need to do and and the vows for this baby? So the angel comes back um, to Samson's mom again. And she's like, wait a minute, let me go get the dad. Let me get my husband. And so together they find out they're going to have this very special child. You can see that they have Um, a beautiful, strong marriage. They're excited about this and they want to get it right. And God tells them, you know, he's going to be under a special vow. He's going to be a very special savior for his people, the people of Israel. So he's born and he is under these very special vows about what he can do, cutting his hair and drinking or being around grapes or fermented drink. Um, And little by little, we see that Samson's really pushing the envelope of keeping strictly to these vows that were over his life. Um, He has this disastrous first marriage that is totally out of God's plan for him. Years later, after he's been a faithful judge in Israel, he does get into this messy relationship with Delilah where she's constantly trying to undermine him. And eventually he caves to her. His hair is cut off. That breaks the last part of his vow. He loses all of his strength, his ability to defend the people of Israel. And his eyes are gouged out. He's taken as a prisoner by the Philistines who were their mortal enemies. But even though he made all of these messes and got so off track, chose the wrong women, got involved in these really dysfunctional, abusive relationships, in the very end, when he's being mocked and he's being, you know, paraded out as kind of a freak show by the Philistines, he calls out to God one more time and says, please give me my strength back one more time so I can take down this temple where they've got me chained to the pillars and take everybody with me. Now, instead of God saying, nope, you made all these mistakes and I'm not going to show up for you now, God was there and probably waiting for Samson to come back. And he had mercy on him. He was always there. And he granted that wish to him so that he could essentially go out in a blaze of glory in a way that would benefit the people of Israel and take out their enemies. So Samson humbled himself to come back after all those mistakes. And God showed up for him and said, I'm going to honor your humility and I could still make a beautiful powerful thing out of the messes that you've made yeah you're have you ever thought about um you know you work for for, uh, fox news have you ever thought about Mm -hmm. you know if you were in modern or you know then reporting these stories live and you know the response (laughs) that you would get from the you know from whoever your you know your your uh, viewers and everything but i think (laughs) about that from from time to time and, and i talk to my kids i have two kids and i say can you imagine these stories like Jonah being swallowed up by the well or the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like being on the news, you know, and how would people's reaction be? And just another day and these three men go into a fire and come out (laughs) with nothing on them. So (laughs) I know. I mean, it's amazing. And if you've grown up in the church and heard these stories a lot, um, you take them at face value and maybe lose a little bit of the wonder of them because they're so ingrained in your heart and your mind and your life. So to me, it's been such a blessing to go back and study all these stories as an adult, because I do think you see them with different eyes 
and you get a new appreciation for them um, and view them, as you said, like imagine if these were playing out in modern day, we'd be stunned by these miraculous stories. Yeah. And so hopefully these kinds of stories in, in this book, Love Stories of the Bible Speak, will reawaken some of that for us as believers. If we think we know these stories, I always learn a ton in researching and writing about them Absolutely. again. Uh, your other chapter that I found uh, really intriguing is the story of Job and um, Job endured a whole lot as we know. And uh, mm -hmm. talk to us about that and, um, you know, the grief that he went through um, mm -hmm. and with his friends and, and, and the story of that. Yeah. And I find this is a story, even if somebody is not a person of faith, everybody's kind of heard the concept of suffering like Job yeah. or having this terrible tragedy like Job. People get that. And it's always important to remember the beginning of the book. He's such a righteous man that, you know, Satan goes to God and says, I bet I could make him turn on you. Essentially, that's the argument he's having with him. Mm -hmm. And God's like, nope, I think Job is faithful and righteous in his heart. And I don't think that's going to happen. And so the enemy goes to get permission from God to kind of test Job and put him through these horrible things. He loses all of his children in one big tragedy, um, loses his livestock, um, his earthly wealth, all of those things. And um, even at one point, it goes a step further to his own health begins to fail and he's covered in boils and sores. I mean, he's completely erect by the time we see him into the story. And his three friends decide they're going to go and, and gather together and go to him. And they'd heard about what had happened, but, you know, the scripture tells us that when they actually saw him afar off as they were getting closer, they were just heartbroken and devastated over how horrific things had become for their friend. They start weeping and mourning as they're going to meet him. And when they get there for seven days, nobody says anything. And I think it shows us the beauty of these friendships that a lot of times when people are in grief, even if it's a close friend, we worry that we're going to say the wrong thing or we're going to bungle something when really sometimes the best gift that you can give is your presence. And that's what these friends did. And they showed up for seven days, just in enormous grief and being with him in that. Now they go on to have conversations that are partially filled with truth, but partially them coming to the wrong conclusions about why Job is walking through this thing. And at the end, you know, God comes to vindicate Job and it wasn't about his sin or something he'd done wrong or unconfessed. Um, but, you know, God, we find out at the end of the story, too, has redeemed him. He had twice as much as he had in the beginning. So just like him losing all those things wasn't some kind of punishment, um, all of them being given back to him doubly wasn't a reward. It was just, you know, God's faithfulness coming back to say to his friends, like, you wrongly accused him. This is a man who was righteous. That's why he went through all of these trials. Um, but the bottom line is his friends showed up. They had difficult conversations. They sat with him in that grief. And those are the kinds of friends that we want, but those are the kinds of friends we need to be too. Yeah. I think it's amazing. You know, that's the Holy Spirit often uses us believers uh, to talk to people about grief and um, when people are going through things. And like you said, a lot of times they just want a hug or, or just, you know, let them know that you're there. And a lot of times a, a word of encouragement, um, whether it be through scripture or just, you know, another word of an encouragement. Uh, can mm -hmm. really help someone in grief. And um, I'm a pastor, and so a lot of times people will come to me with problems and pretty much every day. <laughs> and so, right. Uh, God bless so you. So <laughs> I just like, Lord, you have to help me, um, you know, speak through me because a lot of times I just, I haven't gone through half of what a lot of people mm -hmm. go through these days. And so um, I'm blessed mm -hmm. by that, but also at the same time, um, you know, 
the Holy Spirit works through us and gives us words of encouragement through people that are going with grief and dealing with that. So, mm-hmm. so Absolutely. Shannon, who is this book for? You know what? The last two books I did, Women of the Bible Speak and Mothers and Daughters of the Bible Speak, really people thought, okay, these are books for women. And they certainly are. But I got to tell you, I had a guy a couple weeks ago stop me at church and he said, I want you to know that my men's group decided to do your study workbook and the book, um, Women of the Bible Speak, because we wanted to do this as an honor to our mothers, our wives, our daughters, and just to have a better understanding of these women's stories in the Bible. So I've had men say to me that they've gone through these books too, and sometimes with their daughters or their wives. But this one, I think we're throwing open the doors a little bit more to the men to have more of a starring role in some of these stories too. This is my favorite of the three books. I love looking at these relationships, whether it's Ruth and Boaz, Song of Solomon, which, hello, if you've preached a sermon as a pastor on that, like that's a tough one. That was the most intimidating one for me to try to tackle. But you can't do love stories of the Bible without doing Song of Solomon. So listen, I hope the book will be for maybe somebody who doesn't have a faith, who is intimidated by picking up the Bible, but might pick up this kind of book and then um, be more interested to study for themselves. It's also for people who know the word very well, because I've learned so much from restudying these stories a little bit more in depth. And I found new things and nuggets and angles I hadn't seen before. I feel like we can do that with a lot of scriptures, read them through and get something fresh every time. So I'm encouraged that people study this often in a Bible study group or a book group. And so I think whether you have faith or you're already well into your faith, there's something for everybody in this book that I hope will draw you closer to the Lord. Yeah. That's good. Uh, um, I know people will enjoy this book and it's going to bless many people. So the next part um, of this interview, we are going to, or I'm going to ask you some questions. So it's basically titled favorite things. And so this is where it can be divisive sometimes Uh depending on your answer. So uh, from time to time, but we're going to start off with what is your favorite food? My favorite food? Mm -hmm. Um, okay, do I have to confess that I was just eating some of it before I got on here, which is raw cookie dough? Raw cookie um, dough, okay. So, <laughs> I don't do I rarely do that, but when I do, I'm like, oh, this is so good. You can't eat raw cookie dough every day. Right. Um, and the CDC says you're not supposed to because it does have raw eggs in it. I have been cheating death for 52 years of eating the raw cookie dough, so I, I can't stop now. Well, what's funny is we have... Publix down here in Florida and uh, <gasps> the best grocery store yes, of all time, yes. undisputed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now they sell cookie dough that you can eat. It says edible cookie dough, and, I, and I've told my wife, I'm like, I've been eating cookie dough with egg in it for years, and now <laughs> right. they're going to come out with cookie dough you can eat. And we went to Tennessee a couple weeks ago, and they have a whole like restaurant, well, like a store. And it's all they sell is cookie dough. And it's like you go into like Baskin Robbins and they scoop it out. Mm. It's the same thing. No. They scoop out cookie dough, but it's all egg free. And I tried it and it was good, but I'm like, I still Did just you like, like it? the Pillsbury raw. <laughs> exactly. I got some Toll House in the fridge right now. And um, you just, once in a while, you just have to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I will say Publix is truly one of my, ha- it's like a little slice of heaven on earth. What I love is that they sell cake by the slice. Yes. They so you do. don't have to commit to the whole thing if you're not having a party, but you're like, I would like a slice of Publix cake. Yes. I love that they sell individual slices. And they always sell chocolate covered strawberries. And my mm-hmm. daughter loves macaroons, and they always have those. Mm-hmm. And they have the best subs. So. And they're nice. Yeah. And it's It's like the Chick fil A of grocery stores. <laughs> it is. That is the best description I've heard. That is truly Publix. Yeah. 
What is your favorite movie? Huh, you know, my husband and I were talking about this the other day because they have really ridiculous taste. Like, I love Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Um, but that's not very classy. I cannot say. I, listen, I do love Napoleon Dynamite. Um, but there are movies I could watch over and over again. There are a few out there. Um, I love White Christmas. Um, it holds up really well, and I cry at the end every single time. Um, I think Saving Private Ryan honestly should be required viewing yeah. for every American. I think it gives us just the tiniest glimpse of what war is really like and what it really costs and what's been paid for the you know our freedom here, but also around the world where we've contributed to democracies and, and been about trying to save lives and free people from oppression. So that's a little bit of a mix there. Yeah. Uh, do you have a show that you binge? I will always watch shows like 10 years after they're cool. Yeah. Although I will say when The Office was out, like I did not miss an episode. Yeah. I loved The Office. We you still watch tell that. See, I have a very weird sense of humor, but probably my all-time favorite show is Arrested Development. Okay. And so you got to go back and watch that stuff. I really don't have time to watch much TV right now. So whatever's cool now, 10 years from now, I'll finally be getting right. around to that. Do you, what is, do you have a favorite thing to do outside of being on the news? I love to read. Okay. Um, I really do. Um, my husband actually, this area behind me, you can't see, he actually cleaned it up because there are, there are always piles and stacks of books. One of the favorite things about my job is that people do send books all the time yeah. and I'll have them on podcast or, you know, it's fit for the show, that kind of thing. Um, but he's sort of like, you've got to stop bringing orphaned books home. Like we have to have a one in one out policy. Like if you're bringing two or three in, then two or three have to go. So the book management is a constant thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, we've been doing this, like I said, a year and a half or so, and we have a bunch of books. So, but Don't that is a perk it? and it's nice to read them. Mm -hmm. uh, if he wasn't in journalism, what would you be doing? Um, one of two things I would be driving NASCAR. Okay. Um, because I really love that. Um, I don't really want to watch it. I just want to do it. And I like to drive fast, but I had this crazy commute here in DC where you inch along at like five miles an hour. So there's no NASCAR in my life. Maybe that's why. Um, but I really, really, really love to travel, but I love planning the travel. So I will research every hotel, every airline, every restaurant, everything you're going to do when you get there. So I'm a frustrated travel agent, and I really think um, if you need me to plan any trips for you, to me, the planning is literally half the fun of the trip. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite podcast? Hmm. There are a few that I listen to. Um, that's tricky. I should be better at podcasts. I try to get very involved with podcasts, and I'm usually I'm usually listening to a coworker of mine. Yeah. Um, I enjoy um, Jason Chaffetz. His is good. Bill Hemmer is great with his podcast. He really thinks it through and puts a good investment into it. I would probably say, though, Janice Dean, who is one of my really closest friends at Fox and in life, um, everything that she does, because she comes from a radio background, she's really good at it and a great interviewer. So check out Janice's stuff, too. Is there a favorite Christian music podcast that you listen to? Mm, this one? Okay, there you go. <laughs> Because it is now. Um, it will be from here here forward. <laughs> it definitely is. That's funny. Do you have a favorite Bible verse? Hmm. You know what? I really love Psalm 34. There are so many verses in there, but I was going through a really difficult time. And I was in a hotel, and I know, you know, your preacher, pastors will say, like, 
you can't just open the Bible and expect, you know, that God's going to give you a verse. But that's what I was asking for that night. And Psalm 34, 4 was, I sought the Lord and he heard my cries and delivered me from all my fears. Mm. And I think all of us go through fearful times, whether they're legit, I mean, traumatic, tough times in our life or whether, you know, the enemy is using things to make us fearful. Fear is not of God. Perfect love casts out fear. So I've always loved that verse. And even if I wasn't supposed to just randomly open the Bible and look for a verse, the Lord did meet me in that that day at Psalm 34, 4. What is something about you that you're fans do not know about you something unique well that i have bad taste in movies and tv (laughs) shows and i eat raw cookie dough um let's see what else um you know i one of my favorite things in the world is just to hang out with my dog biscuit she does have an instagram page that i she doesn't update it enough that darn dog um but truly, if I have a free moment, if I can, and I have a special outfit, it's called my dog cuddling outfit Okay. because she will get fur all over whatever you have on. Mm. So like this black suit, no, that's not happening. Right. But I have a pair of yucky sweatpants and a zip up that is covered in dog fur. But it's like when I put that on and I come down the stairs, she's like, yes, mom is going to get down and rub my belly and hang out with me. And it truly brings me so much happiness just to hang out with the dog in my dog cuddling outfit. So where can listeners uh, pick up a copy of your book, The Love Stories, The Bible Speak, and how can our listeners keep up with you? You know what? They can go anywhere that you buy a book, if you like to do it online or in person in all the major stores. Foxnewsbooks.com also will have them there and direct you to all the places where you can pick it up. So that is um, wide open, wherever you like to get your books. Um, I am on social media everywhere at Shannon Bream on Instagram, on Twitter. I'm not TikTok because I'm too old. Like you got to draw the line somewhere. Um, But Facebook, I'm there too. And of course, I'm all over Fox covering our legal front, the Supreme Court and all kinds of things during the week. And then Fox News Sunday on Sundays on Fox Broadcast. And then it replays on Fox News Channel at two o'clock Eastern. Awesome. So to wrap up, I'd like to see if you'd be willing to share something that God has been doing in your life recently that would help build our listeners' faith. Yeah, you know what? I, for some reason, you know when you're you're reading through things um, and they keep popping up different places, you're hearing the same theme, whether it's in books or songs that you're um, hearing or you're reading. And I keep going to First Peter, which is funny because it's not one of those books that I think about a lot. But I, there have just been so many great verses that have popped up that have caused me to reread that letter. And just the advice there, it's packed full of good advice, you know, for the early church as it was growing and coming together. But, you know, the things about being prepared and being ready um, for what you're going to walk into and the things that you're going to face and, um, you know, being aware and, and, you know, Romans is really, you know, other places in Ephesians and others will tell you about putting on the full armor of God. But there's really that theme there in First Peter of being prepared um, to walk uprightly. And I feel like you know, that's, that's always good advice. Um, to me, I try to start my day in the word and prayer. I like to journal. I've got an ongoing prayer list. And so it's always a reminder to me to make that investment for some people. Nighttime is easier daytime, whatever it is, you've got kids or morning schedules. But for me, the morning is the place. And I've just been reminded by first Peter about equipping ourselves and being ready. That's good. Uh, well, thank you, Shannon, so much for taking the time and chatting with me. Uh, pick up this book, The Love Stories of the Bible Speak, which is available March 28th. So that is very exciting. Thank you. And I'm glad you didn't ask me to sing. I mean, this is a, a musical podcast. So I was I spare, I was spared that and your listeners were spared yeah. that too. 
Well, thanks, Shannon, for your time, and thank you, dear listener, for tuning in this week. Be sure to keep up with us at christianmusicguys.com. There you can see all of our past episodes. Go on a deep dive and listen to some of our older episodes. While there, you can also check out our blogs, and you can see how to join our support team. You can find us on all socials at Christian Music Guys and stream our podcast wherever you listen to them. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.